Welcome to Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps. I'm your host, Maddox. And I'm Thunder Cookies' Devin Rains. The name has changed, but one thing is still the same. We're mad. We're fat. And And we're we're loud. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps, where we aren't a slave to the format anymore. No, we're not. And today... You're going to get a good one because we've got a cowboy. Not really a cowboy, though. He's from the Northeast. But he plays one on TV. So he's a cowboy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got Patrick Lasarbo, actor, director, and writer, joining us for an interview on the fat line here in just a few. But before we get to that, you know, Thunder Cookies, it's, it's one of those days when you watch wrestling and you find out that one of your, one of the trailblazing wrestlers of yesteryear has passed on and who's also responsible for who may be the most world renowned professional wrestler being as he's with the father of the rock, where I know most of you've probably heard about the passing of Rocky Johnson. Um, I know we haven't had a chance to address that. Right. And Rocky was one of those that we didn't get a chance to see work a lot. I saw him come in. He came in through Memphis a few times um, just as a special referee and a few things in my childhood's kind of how I knew him. Uh, but we, from what I understand, we're going to see more of what his life was like with a new series that has been picked up for television called Young Rock ah. is going to focus on the Rock's almost circus-like upbringing backstage in professional wrestling. This would be interesting to see who they cast as some of the cats. Yeah, and I mean, the Rock's going to be doing... I think the Rock's going to actually do the narration for the episodes. Right. Uh, but, you know, Rocky Johnson, trailblazer because he was one half of the first ever African-American tag team champions for the WWF. Yeah, at the time, tagging with, of course, Tony Atlas uh, as the Soul Patrol, and seeing the highlights of them, you could see how much the crowd just reacted to what they did. They, right, the crowd really embraced them, and Rocky had so much athleticism, had a solid build, Definitely. but man, he could go. Um, we are saddened by that loss, and unfortunately, we've got to hit you guys with another loss that came across. Um, yesterday is the death of one of the founding members of Monty Python, Terry Jones. Uh, Terry and the Pythons were not my cup of tea. I will admit to this day, I am a fan of Life of Brian. I I like some scenes that were in Holy Grail, but aside from that, not really a Python fan. I, I like Python a good bit, but it's it's sad to see that these people that were such influences on comedy and what they accomplished for comedy because their comedy was so irreverent. Right, it was different. It was different. It was it's stuff you'd never seen. I mean, and to to lose a member of the founding troupe is always a big thing, especially, you know, they haven't been too long, what, two years, maybe three, since they recently did a big uh, reunion tour where they hit the O2 Arena in England and they did a stage show. Right. 
Um, so, you know, at least the people out there that are Python fans, if you can find it, you have that to re- to go back and reflect. Go back and watch Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's on Netflix. And just uh, go back. And for those of you that were Python fans, just go back and remember it and enjoy the laughter that he brought into the world. Because I'm sorry to say this world needs more laughter than it has in it now. Yes, it does. It's it's a sad world. Too much divide. There's definitely too much divide. And speaking of divide, we're going to get into the divide of how war, being the Civil War, ripped apart a country when we talk to our guest on the fat line, Mr. Patrick Lasarbo. We'll be right back with that. Are you a CBD user that's unhappy with the quality of your current CBD products? We recommend that you try Absolute Nature CBD. Absolute Nature CBD is a third-party tested CBD company that offers a wide variety of products, including CBD, medicated, full-spectrum salve, CBD liquids in varying strengths, and CBD full-spectrum soft gels, among other products. Go to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, use code CHUMPS30, C-H-U-M-P-S 30, and get 30% off your total order. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the fat line this week, we have Director Patrick Lasarbo, who is, what are you now, Patrick, less than 10 days away from a new project? Uh, less than 10 days away from our Indiegogo ending. Uh, the project won't actually start filming until April, the last week of April, first week of May. Okay. Tell us what you've got going on. Well, uh, I wrote a script uh, uh, in about 48 hours. It was uh, an idea I'd had for a long time. Uh, I worked on a couple Westerns over this past summer, and... Uh, with the, kind of everything that's going on in the world and in the country and whatnot, I decided that I'd finally write this script. Wrote it, and, you know, you always think you wrote something good, and you, you're not ever really sure, so you send it off to people to take a look at it. So I sent it off to some script competitions, and I started winning awards. So as soon as I started winning awards, I thought, well, this is something that, that we should do, that, that, that can be done. Let me send it off to some of the people that I had shot these westerns with and see what they think of it. These are... And they all said, you've got to make this movie. You, you have to make this. So I decided, yeah, okay, we'll make the movie. I put a budget together. Uh, I called in a bunch of favors from people. So I've got uh, some, some great people at some, <laughs> some discount rates. And uh, uh, we're, we're making a movie. It's uh, a movie about two uh, West Point veterans. Uh, and this is, happens during the Reconstruction era of our country after the civil war and they were uh west point uh graduates they were friends at uh, west point but they ended up fighting on opposite sides of the war and at the end of the war to them it's all over it's done with it's over with it's water under the bridge but uh they they come in contact with something in their present that they're gonna have to fight from their past if they're ever gonna have a future that's basically kind of the log line of the whole entire thing okay what about that period of time specifically was there a fascination there for you or there's always been a fascination for me but with the west my grandfather loved westerns he just loved them i'm i'm from the northeast so i I don't i don't have western uh in my blood but uh my grandfather always loved like reading louis l'amour novels and 
and watching like True Grit, Rio Grande, uh, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance, Ooh, uh, good Wagon, even. I mean, he even watched that, which if you ever want to hear Clint Eastwood sing poorly, watch that movie. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. And, yeah, uh, Wagon's pretty rough. Yeah, it, it, it's rough. It's got a great story, but Clint Eastwood is definitely not Celine Dion. No. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'd always kind of had a fascination with it, and I've, I've been acting for, like, since I was nine years old, and I'd never gotten involved in a Western before. Well, this past summer, I, I shot four Westerns, uh, in four Westerns, and then I decided, you know what? <clears throat> uh, it, it, what kind of what's happening and what's going on in the world today is harkens back kind of to that time, to the Civil War, uh, time, to, to people being, you know, broken apart, their families broken apart. So I'm like, you know what? This is the time to write this. This is the time to, to make this happen. That, you know, I hadn't considered that parallel, but, as you mentioned it, I can, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's things have become so, so tribal. And I say tribal, which is funny because there's, there's a whole native American slant in this movie as well. Um, but things have become so tribal that, I mean, I have, I have friends uh, with families that they can't even talk to each other anymore. They just can't even sit down and, and, and have a civil conversation across the dinner table. People have been disinvited to Thanksgiving. <laughs> People have been disinvited to, to Christmas. And, of course, there's always the unfriending on Facebook that happens now. Oh, <laughs> God. That's just – oh, that is the end of your social life right there, folks. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it, it's it's gotten to a point where, uh, you know, something's got to be said about it. It's got to be talked about. Uh, and, and I just, you know, looked at, you know, the Civil War, you know, as a whole and how we reconstructed the, co- the country after – shooting at each other for years i'm not talking about just you know saying bad words about other people i'm talking about literally picking up a gun and shooting at your brother okay and then after that for some people it was over it was done with okay you know we're done this is over we survived okay let's get on with you know uh, making uh making a life again and that's what's going to have to happen kind of after whatever happens in washington happens we're all going to have to come to a point where we go, wow, that was crazy, huh? Well, let's fix this now. And that, that's kind of how the, 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 the movie is. It, it, it's a lot about, you know, understanding that, you know, everybody's got a point of view, you know, but when push comes to shove and, and decisions are made, we've got to put stuff aside and learn how to get along. In all honesty, it sounds like what you have constructed is a – a period piece with modern themes. That's exactly what I did. It's a, it is a period piece, but it has all of the telltale signs of, of what's going on in our country today. And that is, the, the I think, the beauty of it. And I think that's what resonated with a lot of the people who, who read it. Yeah, I, I think what, what what's occurring in the world uh, really resonated with the people who, who read it. And, and understanding that, you know, uh, these two guys who have actually literally spilled blood on opposite sides of an issue. I mean, it's spilled blood. Um, they're willing to let things go and let the whatever the status quo is now reign. It is what it is. But there's just there's always some people who just won't let it go. They, they just they just they just can't let it go. And that's kind of what they're faced with. And it's exactly what this country's looking at now. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, uh, like I said, it deals with with Native America, the plight of the Native Americans at Reconstruction. It deals with the plight of the African Americans after Reconstruction, um, and 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 kind of how this country kind of picked itself up from, you know, from the ground. You know, we 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 were we were we were flattened as a country. You know, we picked ourselves back up and we made something of the country. And uh, but it didn't have its it didn't it didn't have no obstacles and it still has no obstacles, but understanding that, you know, we all have more in common than we do uh, in separate. And when we come together, we're so much stronger than anything that that can happen. And I think that's really the, the overarching message of the whole entire movie is that it, it takes the ability to either, you can either admit you were wrong and move on, or you can, you can dig in and say you weren't wrong and then you can die on that hill. And there are way too many people dying on a hill these days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the crazy thing is that, is that people are just w- willing to die on that hill. And I mean, I, I, it says how far we believe we've come. We really haven't come that awful far. <laughs> no, it's almost like we've taken a step back. Yes. Yes. You know, and I mean, the, the framers, and I mean, I, I hearken back to the, I'm a huge history buff. So, I mean, I hearken back to the framers of, of the Constitution. One of them, Thomas Jefferson, slave owner, all that stuff. But he literally said, and I quote, I have never found a reason of political disagreement to be a reason to end a friendship. And that's gone now. Yeah, that's that, not the case today. No. That's not the case today. You know, and, 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 and that's the problem that we have. And I think looking at it through the lens of people who didn't have technology and people who didn't have a lot, and, you know, understanding, like I said, this is one of – Reconstruction was one of the roughest times in our country. It was one of the roughest times. You know, and if we uh, uh, could come through that, you know, you'd think we could come through just about anything. Um, but I mean, we're we're gonna face it all over again. We're gonna face it all over again within the next couple couple years or couple months. It depends on you know how the election ends out, right? And then and then, and then it's still not even gonna be over because you're still gonna have people dug in, and we've got to figure out a way to to stop that. And that's what this movie is about—a way to go like, look, we need to reset. We just need to reset and have discussions. And if we can't, well then, you know, we're, we're doomed. We're doomed to repeat the same problem over and over and over and over again until, you know, there's none of us left. Yeah. They've always said those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening right now. Just throwing any bolts flying. That's the only difference. The only difference is now the bullet is a tweet. The bullet is a, is a, is a nasty meme on Facebook. Uh, uh, the bullet is a, you're not coming to Thanksgiving because I don't agree with you. You know, you know and bullet, we could be sitting staff. in that same boat on this show because my co-host is a, is a Trumper. And I, on the other hand, am not, I consider myself more to be a financial conservative, but a socially liberal when it yep, comes you to those and I things. would end up probably in the same group because I because look I'm a big Second Amendment guy I 100 believe in the right to bear arms I, I believe in it but I don't think we need automatic weapons 
but but I I think there comes a there, there there comes some common sense that comes with that, and I think that's what's lacking in America right now is on both sides. And I'm not going to say just on one side. I'm going to say on both sides. Both sides are lacking common sense right now. They're lacking the ability to just have a discussion. Look, Madison hated Jefferson. Jefferson hated Madison, but they could sit down and have a discussion. They could sit down and talk. <laughs> and nowadays, people can't sit out. Most people can't even be in the same room if they don't have the same political views anymore. Yeah, and that, and 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 that's the problem. That that and that is the huge problem. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie addresses that a lot. Actually, it started the whole entire movie. Literally started as two Civil War veterans having a PTSD discussion. That's how the whole entire movie in my head started. So I wrote that scene, and then I was like, well. What happens before this? Because this is in the mi- this is in the middle of their lives. What happens before this? So you know, I went back to the beginning, and I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of what happens and leads up to that moment. All right, there. So then I got to the I got the whole beginning worked out, and I went, but this isn't the ending. The ending's not the PTSD talk. That's not the ending. And then I was like, okay, well, what happens after this? So then I wrote what happened after it. Before I knew it, I had a 126 page script. Wow, <laughs> nice. Let's see if I remember what I've learned about timing. That generally equates to a minute per page. Minute per page. So you're looking at about 126 minutes. You're looking at a little over over an hour, like close to an hour 45. That's not, you know, that's not too bad. No, because most people say these days anything over two hours is too, many, too long to sit in a movie theater. Now, for me, not even close. I could sit there and watch something three, three and a half hours and not blink. Well, see, and, and, and I don't get it because, and, and this, and you know what, that actually talks about the attention span of America today. <laughs> because do you remember, you probably remember, you're old enough, do you remember that The Godfather had an intermission? Um, I never got the chance to see The Godfather in theaters, but I do remember that it did, ha- did have an intermission. I remember my mother actually telling me about going to see Gone with the Wind, and it had an intermission. Yes. So did yes. Paint Your Wagon. Did Paint, paint Your Wagon have an intermission? Really? Yes, it yeah. did. And you know, I was surprised when uh, when Tarantino and uh, Rodriguez did the Grindhouse films that they didn't do an intermission between those two. Yeah, you know, you thought yeah, I thought they would have too, but I mean, maybe they were just going like ah, you know, and maybe they they maybe they keyed in on it and said yeah, they don't get the attention span to have an intermission; they won't come back. <laughs> you know, you might be right. My wife and my mother went with me to see those movies. I don't think my mother would have come back in. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we lost them. We're done. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, Patrick, I know with making this movie, and I know you said you've acted since you were nine. What was yeah. it that got you so interested in getting in front of a camera? Well, I never got in front of a camera until three years ago. Literally, it was all stage. It was all stage. Okay. So I did all stage. And what got me into acting was, and it, it, it is for, for most guys, there was a girl. She was involved. She was cute. I was nine. She was Mary in the Christmas pageant, and I wanted to be Joseph. I don't know what happened to that girl, by the way. Her name is Mary Walsh. Mary Walsh, if you're listening right now, how's it going? Uh, I I don't know what happened. Wow, she got typecast. She got cast as Mary, and her name was Mary. Come on, man. (laughs) Yep, she sure did. And then uh, then I wanted to be Joseph. And the funny thing was, and here's how seriously I took it. I memorized all my lines at 9. I memorized everything. I memorized my lines. I memorized everyone else's lines. Everyone else had little pieces of paper on on the stage with them. So if they forgot their line, they could look at the piece of paper. 
I literally had to open up a scroll on stage, and I just didn't even have the 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 words there. I was doing it all from memory, and I was like, "Well, maybe I could do this. This is fun." And then for the longest time, I took 13 years off. I didn't do anything for 13 years because I had I have six daughters. That's a whole another show. Anyway, uh, I have uh, six daughters, and um, kept uh, trying for I, that one son, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. That's not a joke, man. I did. I kept. I'm like trying to put the stem on the apple. Got to put the stem. But on look, the you apple. know, now you have a girls' basketball team with a reserve. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, I've got I've got free extras right now. Anyway, uh, so I've, there you uh, go. <laughs> That's exactly how I look at it. I was like, I brought you into this world. You're coming to my movie set. You're coming to my <laughs> You're um, free labor. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So so uh um I was doing I hadn't done anything and then I decided I was driving by this little um community theater near where I lived. And I said, you know what, I wonder if I can still do this. So I went and they had an audition notice. So I went and auditioned and I got I, I got cast. And then I got cast in the next fourteen shows in a row there. And I was like, well, maybe I can still do this. And the guy who took over was a guy by the name of Mike Rademakers. He was a stand-in for John Goodman for a number of years in Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he had kind of left Hollywood and left L.A., and he was just doing community theater now. That was his gig. you know. And, uh, and he said, you know, have you ever tried doing this professionally? And I was like, well, yeah, when I was 20, I literally went to – and this is going to – this is gonna, this is gonna, here's a throwback. I went to Walden Books. Anybody who Whoa, I used to love going and looking at Walden books to see what I needed to go get at the library. <laughs> exactly. So now if you, if you remember Walden books, I want to say this now, now you're officially old. And then number two, um, I got a bitch. Book I remember KB toys. I remember KB toys as well. <laughs> I remember, you know, mom, dad would go to the shoe store. I'm in KB toys. I remember that. My mom would never buy me shit out of there, but I got to look. Oh, oh heck yeah. I got to look all day long. <laughs> Um, but no, I went to Walden books and they had this, this book, I was 20 something and they had this book that said, um, it was all of the casting and directors and agents in all of North America, all of them. So I bought the book and I got my headshots done and I put my resume together, which I had four things on it all like, you know, high school stuff and college stuff. Um, and, uh, I sent it out to every person in that book. This is like 120 pages of people. I sent it out to everyone and got nothing. Zero. Ouch. Nada. <laughs> so I said, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> and I went and was in the business world for a while. So now, again, fast forward to like uh, uh, four years ago, um, Mike Rademakers goes, hey, you know what? You, you should try it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I tried it when I was 20. It just didn't work out. He goes, well, there's the internet now. And I'm like, yeah, but the internet now is like for Amazon Prime and porn. That's that's all the internet's good for, right? <laughs> and You're like, not oh. wrong. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, well, I found that I was. He goes, no, there's casting websites. I'm like, no, there are not. Yeah, for porn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, no, really. So he pulls up a casting website called Backstage. I'm like, oh, okay. Pulls up another casting website called Short Films Texas. So I started submitting my 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 resume and my headshot. And the headshot I was using, I've gotten better, much better headshots since then. The headshot I was using was literally, if you ever go to a community theater and they do a show there, they have all the little pictures of people up on the wall so you can recognize them when you go in. Um, I used that. That was my headshot. Um, so I used that, and I got cast. And then I was like, oh. And, and I submitted for another one, and I got cast. 
And I submitted for another one and I got cat and I, and I then he showed up on set and they said, this doesn't look like you. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, luckily it did now because it was the one from community theater. If I use my original one, that I had, no, they would have been like, who is this? Who are you? Because the original headshot I had was black and white. I was 23 years old. You know, I had no gray hair at all. You know, after six daughters, you get gray hair fast, but I, I had no gray hair at all. And, uh, Six, and no, my co-host got gray after one. <laughs> you know, there you go. And uh, and I just started doing. I just started doing film, which is a different animal than stage. It's a much different animal. But I have found that most directors love um, stage actors going to film because it's easier to tone somebody down than it is to pump them up. I get what you're saying because when you're doing you want to emote more on stage than they're going to want you to in a film. So yeah, I I get that. So, so what, what I, what I got taught a lot from, and this was from the checkoff technique and a friend of mine called Lisa Dalton. Um, she was like, it it mask it. You have to mask. And I'm like, okay. She goes, so have it all happen behind your eyes and behind your facade and we'll see it. I was like, okay. So I started doing that, and they were like, and she was like, "That, that's it, right there, that's it, that's what you need to do." I can see what your impulse is. I can see what you're, and you're masking it. Now I can tell that you're masking, but the camera won't be able to, because it's going to be so fast. Because I know what I'm telling you to do, so I can see you when you're doing it. The camera won't, because it'll be that quick. Right. And I was like, I was like, okay, all right, I can. And then so I started. Sound guys hated me though. They hated me. Oh my god. <laughs> They like I, I I literally blew one sound guy's eardrums out. I swear to God, they had told me to scream because I was screaming. I was I, and I've been killed. I'm like the Sean Bean of Texas. I've been killed in like nine films. Um, and uh, hey, and everybody's got to die sometime. <laughs> yeah, but I was dying like one after the other. After I'm like, why? Why do people want to kill me so bad? Um, you just so, have uh, a face that you want to punch. Yeah, wants <laughs> to be killed. So. uh so he uh, he was like, okay, um, we're ready for you to do the scream. And I did the scream, and the sound guy came from around the corner. He was like, Jesus H, what the hell was that? <laughs> I was like, well, he told me to scream. He's like, yeah, okay, let's get a level on his scream now. Can we get that? Because yeah, they didn't do it. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they got a level on it, and they were like, okay, so uh, we're going to just do your scream with no dialogue anywhere because – even at turned almost off, we can hear you. So, uh, so yeah, so they, so they did that and it's, it's been a great ride. It's I am not asking him to scream on air. I know the look you're giving me and it's not happening. <laughs> no, no, you do not want that. Trust me that you do not want that. You can go and look at the movie, which is bondman. It's, I think it's on my YouTube channel and you will very easily be able to see what I'm talking about. Wow. Now, who are some of the actors that have you followed that kind of inspired you to do what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, well, the first actor that really inspired me to do anything, and, I, and this is going to be like so off the wall, no one would ever think this, was Dabney Coleman. Oh, good pull. Dabney Coleman. I watched Dabney Coleman in War Games. Here's how I started to want to learn how. Well, I had already wanted to act, but I, I, I started realizing I had to do certain things. So Dabney Coleman in War Games, he's talking to Matthew Broderick, and he inhales a cigarette, talks, and then exhales. And I go, you know what? If I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to have to learn how to do that. I'm really going to have to learn how to do that because, you know, 
this is the eighties. Everyone was smoking and everything. We were smoking in hospitals. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so I go out back. I grab, I grab my grandmother's cool 100 menthol. Oh God. Oh Lord. Not a 100. No. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So I go out there. I go out behind. There's a little shed behind my grandparents' house. And I go out there and I take the first one because I only took two. And it, I, I kept, it just kept the smoke just kept coming out of my mouth. I was like, okay, well, that's, this isn't working. So I was like, maybe I have to inhale it. So on the second cigarette, I inhaled, picked myself up off the ground from, from coughing. Yeah. And then uh, by the end of the cigarette, I had figured out how to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Of course, I've been smoking ever since. I was going to say, and then he went and bought a pack of Marlboros. Yeah, exactly. And then I bought a pack of Cowboy Killers, and that's all I've smoked ever since. No. Um, uh, and then uh, I'm just surprised somebody else calls them Cowboy Killers. Yeah. And then uh, I I, I uh, watched a movie called Cloak and Dagger with him in it. Um, an old movie. It's about like a, a, a role-playing game that this kid has his parents kind of leave him alone or whatnot. And I watched it. And then I saw him in 9 to 5. And I was like, this guy's got, this guy can act. And this you know, here's can... something he doesn't get a lot of credit for, but remember his television series on Fox? Drexel's yes, class? I yes, I do. He yes, was fantastic working with all those kids. Yes, he was. You know, so I mean, I was like, I, this guy's great. I can do it. So that was probably the first person I looked at. And I want, I want to do this, you know, because he's an everyday guy. He's a normal dude, but you know, he can just pull off these different characters. And, and, and we say what you want about him. The man gets work. You know, the man got work in the eighties, you know, and even in the nineties. Right. So I was like, I was like, yep, th- th- this is, this is the guy. And for people that don't really know the name Dabney Coleman, if I were to equate it to someone else, it may be more, maybe a little bit more current Gerald McRaney. Yes. Yes. Yep, that is a, that, that's a good analogy. Gerald McRaney and Dabney Coleman are cut from pretty much the same cloth. My co-host is looking at me like, how'd you pull that off? <laughs> yep. yep, I would agree with that. Uh, and they both have the great comedic chops. I mean, you look at, you know, McRaney from Jesus, Simon and Simon all the way to Major Dad. Yep. And he yep. could even do cheesy teen dramas because he played one of the dads. He played the grandfather on One Tree Hill. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he can do drama, too. I mean, he, he can. Yeah, look at Jericho. Can, Good luck. Yeah. I mean. Look at look, oh, Jericho. Look at Deadwood. Oh, yeah. 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 That may be his defining moment for late in his career. Yes. Yep. That was, of course, Deadwood, though, if you look at that, that series in itself, that show was so loaded with talent, they couldn't screw it up. Oh no! I mean, yeah, well, you had Jim Beaver, uh, you had uh, uh, Gerald McRaney, you had uh, um, oh, the guy in Justified, now. Ian McShane, Timothy Oliphant. You had uh, Oliphant. there you go. Ian McShane is phenomenal. What a guy! Ian McShane said more curse words in the first episode of Deadwood than I think I'd ever heard in one entire film in a running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is, and, and I equated it to this, and, and I, I, I watched all Deadwood. I even watched the movie. The movie was a little – I wanted more out of the movie than, than I got. But I still, agree. I thought, I thought it was still good. Um, but basically, I called it Shakespeare in the West. That's a good way of looking at it. 
Yeah, it was Shakespeare in the West. And look how many people got poached from that series to do uh, after that was over to do something else. I mean, look at them moving on to do Sons of Anarchy. Uh, You had, of course, Justified. Several of them did Justified. Some of them did both. (laughs) Yes, they did. And Sons of Anarchy, I call Hamlet on Motorcycle. That's exactly what that was. Yep. Um, But but I will tell you this. I still want to see the prequel series about the first nine. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. About the uh, the the original, the originals, yeah. because that, that I've got to ask because not many people I can actually ask about this. Not many people were, or that I know, or were actually Sons of Anarchy fans. Um, but how do you like the Mayans? Are you? It's okay. It's not Sons, is it? it it's, it's just not Sons. And I think I think the problem with that, and it, here's the problem with any kind of series, and you have a spinoff of the of the series is that you want it to be the original series but yeah. you know it can't be the original series here here perfect example mash was a great series mash was a phenomenal series after mash sucked you know i've never seen an episode of after mash don't you're not you're not <laughs> no. quick with that answer wasn't it <laughs> very <laughs> quick yeah, it, it had all of the original cast almost you had you had harry morgan you had uh jamie farr you had uh um christopher um, the guy that played oh, the priest. Uh, yeah. God dang it. I can't remember his name. Well, you had Hot Lips Houlihan. You had uh, 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 Loretta Swick. You had all those people. And it just wasn't the same. It, and they had done such a great job with the original that it was just something that you couldn't really you, – you, you, you couldn't recapture that. Well, that – and I think it was really life. probably a lack of Alan Alda. That too, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Without Hawkeye, there really, there really isn't a mash. You know, uh, but the, I think you got the same thing going on right now with with the Mayans. Without Jax, there's there's nothing. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I watched the first season and enjoyed yep. it, but I haven't really been able to get into the second season because there's so much other stuff that you would rather sit down and watch. Yeah, you know, I'll get around to watching all of it, all of it when it's over. That's probably what I'll do with it. I'll that's kind of the way I'm looking done. at it. Yep, I'll binge watch it when it's done. Because I'm like you, and when when okay, when everybody was giving all the hype for the Mandalorian when it was dropping new episodes, and I'm sitting there going the hell with this. I'm gonna yep. wait till they get through with all eight episodes, and then I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> well, and I watched that, and I thought it was phenomenal. I have seen so far just the first and second episodes, so I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I think they've yeah, done a great I job. I think my problem with it was, and this is just from a from a marketing standpoint, problem that I had with it is like, how are you going to carry a whole entire series with a guy who doesn't show his face? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, and they it, did it for the first season. My question is, okay, if you're going to make more seasons, though, you're going to have to show his face. Yeah, and I mean, they've already announced season two's coming next year, so yes, it is. I'm I'm curious. To, my thing though is. How long before everybody just gets sick of Baby Yoda? Oh, I'm already sick of Baby Yoda. I don't even watch that for Baby Yoda. I'm so glad somebody else said that. If I see another <laughs> damn Baby Yoda meme, ugh. You know, I, I watch it because it's a Western. It's 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 right back to the original series. It's a space Western like the original Star Wars was. Yes. And the original Star Wars was a Kurosawa movie called The Fortress, which is 
a a a, um, a pre a prequel to a lot of your spaghetti westerns and your things like the Magnificent Seven, and you know because that was a remake of the Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai, yeah, that yeah. was. So what they did is they took all these great Japanese movies and said, let's put them in the West, and that's kind of what I've done with my movie. I'm like, let's look at this climate that we have right now, but put it in the West. That's a good way. I'm going to have to introduce my co-host to Kurosawa films. I just realized you haven't watched any of them, have you? No, oh, I haven't. Oh, you have you're in for a watch. treat when you want to watch a good Kung Fu movie or yeah. Samurai flick. These are the ones. I might have yeah. seen them when I was a kid and didn't know it. Uh, well, if you watch the good, if you watch the good, the bad and the ugly, or you watched um, uh, uh, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, you saw it. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Or the Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch is another one, yes. Um, see, it's great when you get somebody else that's a film nerd. I can throw out stuff and people actually get it. <laughs> <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> it just warms the cockles of your heart. He said cock. Oles. Oles. Oles there, Thunder Cookies. Get it right. Now, what were what are some of your favorite films? Let's Let's go down that alley. Favorite films. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, that's so hard. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, uh, just films with great acting in them, I mean, Streetcar Named Desire is phenomenal. Um, but I really love – now, if you want to talk about action, action movies, I love Highlander, the original Highlander movie. Mm. Oh, yes. I can watch that. I've watched it over 100 times. There can be um, only one. It, it is phenomenal. Um, and then if you want to talk about like comedies, wow. Uh, uh, you know, comedies rough. blazing saddles. My God. <laughs> I was about to throw that out there because that, I mean, the funny thing is you can't, you couldn't do that movie now if you wanted to. No. Well, the funny, they asked Mel Brooks that he said, should they remake blazing saddles? And his quote, and this was his answer. And I quote, no, we went too far the first time. Well, I mean, at least he acknowledges that, you know, I mean, but the fact is, if you look at the way the script was done, and I, mean, I think we've brought this up on the show before, but if you look at it, Mel Brooks wrote all the black jokes and Richard Pryor wrote all the Jewish jokes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's how and nobody got a. That's why I say what we need to do is quit worrying about offending some certain group of people and just go back to offending every damn body. Offend everybody. That's exactly that is my. That is my hallmark when it comes to comedy because I did comedy for a while. My hallmark is I'm not I'm not mean. I hate everybody equally. There so you I go. Of, <laughs> I make fun of all, all of everybody: white, black, don't matter, poor, rich, uh, Republican, Democrat. I don't care. I make fun of everybody equally, and that's comedy. <laughs> that is comedy. You, you, there's pain in comedy. People need to understand that. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's a story about Mel Brooks. So Mel Brooks makes. There's two stories about Mel Brooks. The first one is the fact that Gene Wilder was not supposed to be the Cisco kid. No, it was supposed to. The original cast was supposed to have been John Wayne and Richard Pryor. The studios would not uh, insure Pryor because he had that because of his drug habit. Yeah. Yep. And then and then and then they had gotten somebody else, actually, because Wayne couldn't do it. They'd gotten this other guy who had I can't remember who it was. But he he had he had been in rehab. He had been in Betty White or uh, Betty Ford before Betty Ford existed. He might have been in Betty White too back in those days. Yeah, we don't. Been, know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> she was hot. She was hot back then. Anyway, um, you know we we gotta keep we gotta start thinking about the kind of world we're gonna leave Betty White. 
We got to start thinking about that because, you know. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. You can't you know. kill what won't die. Exactly. And so, she better um, not. She's all we got left, the Golden Girls, damn it. Yeah, exactly. So um, he he, uh, he had a heart and a camera. And the guy just was had just, you know, gotten on the wagon. He was just getting his, his act together and whatnot. And the first scene they did was the uh, was the, the jet. The jail scene where the Cisco kid is hungover, right? Oh God! So, so uh, uh, he's doing it, and and the guy starts puking and whatnot, and 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 Mel Brooks is like, "This guy is going for broke. This is awesome." This he is- was really hungover. He was one hundred percent still drunk. Forget hungover. Oh, he was still hammered from the night before. So one of the production assistants comes over to Brooks and goes, uh, "Yeah, he's he's still he's still drunk." And and Brooks is like, well, crap. Now I now I can't have him on the set now, you know. So he called up Gene Wilder and said, Gene, I need you to do me a favor. You know, I, I need you to come over and save my ass. You know. And so, honestly, could you see anybody else now that you that film is so classic? No, I, it would have no. been so weird just to see Jane to see John Wayne do that role. Yeah, yeah there's no way now I could see that. And then. The second story is he sat down after he got the rough cut done. He sat down and went through everything. And like the sense of, oh, you can't have Mongo punch the horse. You can't do that. That's no. That's a bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and he sat there and he wrote everything down that they said that you can't have Mongo punch the horse. You can't have him say the sheriff is a. You can't have any of that. You've got to you've got to tone down those jokes. Right. So then the the, the the people left and everyone turned to Mel and, and they said, so so we're cutting it out. He goes, the hell we are. And he crumpled up a piece of paper and threw it in the trash. And that was the end of that. So what <laughs> what you see is basically him giving the middle finger to all of the uh, the other producers and backers are like, oh, we can't have that. You can't have a man punch a horse. That's and crazy. all he did was create what may is considered by many. To be the greatest comedy film of all time. Oh my God! Yeah, it's at least one or one A, and you have to put it. I put it up there. It's between that or Animal House for me. For yeah, it's another great one. No, yeah, yeah, another great one. But I mean, and then and then the the the, the, the beauty the beauty of Blazing Saddles is there's a also a joke with uh, with Cleavon Little uh, and 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 Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder's doing the things like you know you have to you have to remember who these people are. They're, they're, they're good folk, simple folk, folk of the plains, you know, morons. <laughs> and, and when Cleveland Little laughs, that is a genuine laugh because Cleveland Little said, I could not get through that ever without laughing because he was not supposed to laugh. He was supposed to just look dead into the camera and he was supposed to cut away. But he was like, I, I couldn't hold it for more than like a quarter of a second because the way Wilder delivered it every time was just phenomenal. And, you know, thank God they actually faded to black with the scene with him and uh, Madeline Kahn, because I can imagine he had a hard time keeping a straight face with that one. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, baby. Oh, it's twoo. It's twoo. Excuse like, me while I whip this out. <laughs> baby, I'm not a machine. 13 <laughs> is my limit on snitzing grooving. <laughs> My useless, my useless memorization of Blazing Saddles finally comes in handy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny that you say Blazing Saddles, though, because when I sent off, because there's comedy in my script as well. And the funny thing is I sent it off to a group of people to, to go through the script and make sure the beats were in the right places and make sure that, you know, because, again, I thought I thought I wrote something great. But I got well, and they gave me some really great feedback and some really good ideas to tweak the script a little bit and make it 
a little bit tighter and expound upon different characters a little bit more and redefine some of the character arcs. But literally, and this is not a joke, they said that my movie wants, it, 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 and this is what I had to decide, you have a movie that you're not sure what you want it to be. It, said, it looks like it wants to be Django Unchained or Blazing Saddles, and we can't figure out which one. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Either way, you still had the one use of the N-word in, the jo- <laughs> in a joke. <laughs> yes, yes. Because I will never forget Jamie Foxx delivering that line. I don't guess I've ever seen an N-word on a horse before. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. That's still, that may, to me, that is Jamie. I, I understand what he did with Ray, but I think that was his defining performance. Yeah. Well, what's funny though, is if you watch it as, as an actor, I watch kind of people and I can tell personally what scenes they filmed earlier and what scenes they filmed later, because to be completely honest and don't get me wrong, I love Jamie Foxx. He was surrounded by phenomenal actors who have been doing it their whole life, you know, Oh yeah, and uh, and there are some like he's he's I can see like okay he's trying to just hold his own in this scene, and then later on I can see where he picked up and went okay, this is how Waltz does it, and this is how DiCaprio does it, so let me try and put myself in between here, and then he started going okay he was picking up on what people were doing to convey emotion and to convey their character, and then he he started doing it, so I can look at that movie and go. That was shot later. That was shot earlier. That was shot middle. I can look at it because I can see where Jamie's really going. Okay, I got this. I can do this. I just need to. I need to be a sponge, absorb, and then reflect. And 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 that's what he started doing. And it worked wonderfully because. To, oh my God! It worked incredibly. I love that movie. I think it's. I think it's Tarantino's last great work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that and Inglorious Bastards are probably my two favorite movies. Yeah, I mean, I'll always have a soft spot for Pulp Fiction. You know, I look at Pulp Fiction now as like a, this was the first. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh look, it's a kid making a movie. That's how I look at it now. Oh, a kid made a movie, and then he gets to you know uh, Inglorious Bastards. I'm like, oh okay, this is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> then you get to Jangle and Chain, and you're like, oh, this is a movie with a message. Damn. <clears throat> All right. And then you get to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you go, this is a self-serving piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, this is just, this is just, hey, I've made a lot of money now and I can kind of do whatever I want. So I'm going to make a movie about Charles Manson that doesn't have Charles Manson in it. (laughs) And that's exactly what he did. And you know, the funny thing is, I really, because the rumor was that he was working on an R-rated script for Star Trek. I want to see that. <laughs> I would actually like to see that. And he, it got it got shot down. <sighs> Phaser's on, on Annihilate, but it, it got shot down. Um, but, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. And he's supposedly working on a Western ser- a TV series. He is. He's working on The Bounty Hunter. He's working on uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio character that was played in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. He's going to do a series based on the series in the show. Exactly. It's not a bad idea. A good Western series hasn't really been done. Oh, my. I mean, Deadwood was the last. Deadwood was the first one in probably 20 years and probably the last one we'll see for a while. Well, the closest you guys think you could get to a Western now. Uh, and again, it's not really a Western is Longmire. Longmire or maybe uh, what was it? Hell on Wheels. 
Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels was good, but I mean, it, it dragged. It yeah, um, I couldn't ever finish that show. It 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 dragged. The first season I thought was pretty good, and I was like, okay, well they've got something to build on, and they just I don't think they ever built on it. They just never really, really up up the 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 uh, the stakes. They never really upped the stakes in the in the show. And that was a problem. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Now, I know you said earlier on you guys are still taking, you've got 10 days left on the uh, the GoFundMe or the Indiegogo. Yeah, the Indiegogo. Uh, tell people how they can donate and help, you know, fund this film and get it to where we can see it. Great. Okay. So it's going to get made whether I have to sell a kidney or not. So here's how it's going to work. The good news is you got six daughters. One of them might be a matching donor. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I, 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 I again, hey, I planned ahead on this. <laughs> the, 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 none of this has been left to chance, boys and girls. I know that I can sell a kidney and then take one from a kid because, again, I brought you in this world. You owe me. Well, then why don't so, you just do the right thing and take one from the kid? <laughs> See, because I think that's illegal. <laughs> like somehow, somehow selling my kidney on the black market is not as bad as selling my kid's kidney on the black market. Somehow, it just. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess it kind of does equate to selling your kid for parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so what we're, what we're doing is we've got the Indiegogo campaign. It's got 10 days left. Um, we're trying to hit 60 grand. We're at about 10 now. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, I don't know, somebody has a lot of money and they just want to give it to me. Um, dentists, if you're out there, I hear you guys have lots of money. Anyway, um, so we have different tiers on the Indiegogo. So for $5, basically, I will become your, your spokesperson for one minute on my YouTube channel that has 11,000 or 10,800 people uh, subscribed to it, as well as on my Chance of Circumstance fan page, which now has over 1,000, and my own personal uh, Facebook page, which has over 3,000. If you have, like, female uh, products that you want hawked, I don't care. You give me $5, I'll hawk them for a minute on all those platforms. That's one. Then... For uh, uh, $50, you will get a, a set signed copy, uh, a set used copy of the script signed by all the principal cast. Um, then for 100 you will get a movie poster as well as, and here's the thing, all of my perks are cumulative. So if you spend 100 you get a movie poster signed by the principal cast as well as the script signed by the principal cast as well as a shout-out for me to hawk whatever you want or just say happy birthday to your family and friends or whatever. And it goes all the way up to three grand, three thousand dollars. And I've actually had, and I don't know who these people are, but I thank them from the bottom of my heart. I've had two people give us three thousand dollars, okay, to come and be an extra in a scene, a background person with a scene with dialogue, by the way, with the principal cast, and I'm paying for their ho their hotel while they're on set. Wow! And nice. And all of those things are cumulative. So if you get all the way up to three grand, you also get that. You also get a producer credit. You also get a set use prop all the, all the way down. But I, I hey, I, I love home runs. The $3,000 people are home runs. Home runs are sexy. Don't get me wrong. But I will take 1,000 singles over three home runs because I score more runs that way. So you can give as little as $2, and I will still go on and say thank you on all of those platforms to you for supporting my film. Why is it that I want to donate 10 bucks and have him do a Splunk Lube commercial? <laughs> you you send me the copy, it'll, it'll get done. You don't want us to do that. 
Because our our tagline for Spunk Lube used to be, it's number one, where she number two. There you go. Hey, I would do that in a heartbeat. My favorite, my favorite beer when I was growing up was a thing called Bimmelman's Beer. And I don't know if anyone ever even knows what it I've never there. heard of that one. Yeah, okay. So uh, it was Bimmelman's Beer. And my tagline for Bimmelman's Beer that they never used was, if you want a beer really bad, they've got a really bad beer. That's great. <laughs> that's. I don't think we can top that. <laughs> that's that's fantastic, Patrick. I it's been a great time sitting down and talking to you. I want to tell you, you're welcome here anytime. Uh, when yeah. you guys get ready to do some promotion and things for the film, by all means, reach out. We'll have you back on. You got it. My pleasure. Uh, thank and you so much for your time. My pleasure. Let everybody know they can find me on the Indiegogo. They can find me on Facebook, Patrick Lascarbo. I'm the only Patrick Lascarbo on the face of the earth on Facebook. Uh, and um, and if they have any questions or, 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 or you know anything, feel free to you know uh, to message me because you know I've got six starters and I got to get away every once in a while. And I go like, Daddy's got to answer this message. There you go. I know you've got to get to a rehearsal, sir. So we wanted to kind of make sure we got you out of here on time. Uh, I appreciate it, sir, and I look forward to seeing what comes of this. You got it. Like I said, it's coming, whether I whether I got two kidneys or one. All right. Well, let's hope you keep them both. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. All right. <sighs> nothing beats the pure taste of artist vodka made with nothing but the finest ingredients, including Faro wheat imported from Italy. Perfectly pH-balanced water from the Cascades in Washington State. All blended perfectly into the best organic vodka on the market. Artist Vodka, the art, is in the party. All right, we want to thank our guest, Mr. Patrick Lasarbo, for joining us. I, you know, I can't wait to have that guy back on. Anybody that can talk Blazing Saddles and weave it back into a movie that he's working on now, he's good with me. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, that guy, he was a lot of fun. We definitely enjoyed the time talking to him. Uh, again, uh, our condolences to the families of Rocky Johnson and Terry Jones, who both have recently passed on. And next week... We're going to dive into the film festival world again. We've got, well, actually, for the next two weeks here on Offscript, we're going back to the indie world. Yep. Kind of where we made our bones, as they say. Uh, we will have Johnny and Susan McPhail from the Oxford Film Festival. Both actors will be joining us. And then we will have a film, a director and former director of the Magnolia Film Festival in Starkville, Mississippi, the oldest film festival in the state. So be sure that you join us in the next two weeks if you're a fan of independent film and you may be looking for something to do because these are always fun events. God knows we've been to enough of them to tell you that and be honest about it. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you again next week. Same fat time, same, same fat, fat channel. channel with more gravy. Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps is produced by Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC. Executive producer, Sally Maddox. All music used by permission. No part of this podcast can be rebroadcast or retransmitted without written expressed permission of the Heavyweight Chumps and Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC. Copyright 2020 Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC.